Hello to you. I do hope you're well and welcome to this week's edition of the Ben Wardle podcast. I'm Ben Wardle. <laughs> Believe it or not. I don't know why I say that. I feel like the title gives it away, but hey, let's state the obvious. Let's call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? Welcome to this week's edition. Sorry, I've just brushed my teeth <laughs> and I can't speak. It's like ASMR, isn't it? Is that the word? I feel that's the word, you know, when you can hear sounds, although it's like the opposite, it's not what people want to hear. I've just brushed my teeth, I was like, you know what, we're filming it for the YouTube, if your eyebrows are going to look awful, at least have white teeth. Do you know what I mean, guys, it's one of those days. So, <laughs> welcome to the episode, I do hope you're well, how are you, what's happening in your world? As I say, my eyebrows are now growing back after my plucking <laughs> catastrophe, we shall call it. So please bear with me. Do you know what I mean? They're in that really awkward in-between stage when they're like growing back, but they're not. And you're like, oh, should I pluck them again? But no, that caused World War Three last time. Do you know what I mean? As anyone watching can also see, my hair is also growing back. But, you know, we've got a major concern here. Growing back, I've just said growing back. Growing back from what? The last time I had it cut, about 10 years ago. <laughs> it's just growing at this stage. And I've now had to, basically, guys... Basically, oh my gosh, so on, on TikTok, over on TikTok, I was getting so many people telling me how big my forehead was, right? Now, I don't believe you should ever listen to anybody you wouldn't take advice from, and I certainly would not take advice from an anonymous online troll on TikTok of all places. However, the sheer number of people telling me your forehead is so big <laughs> was really making me think obviously my head's that big I've got a very big brain clearly my loves so I was thinking I thought we need to do something so I just thought you know what let's change the hairstyle let's go for the fringe and you know what I'm actually quite enjoying it so thank you to everybody that gave me the forehead feedback <laughs> you have now totally revolutionized my hairstyle um it doesn't quite look the best anyone watching the podcast today on the youtube will can't speak i can't speak we'll confirm that for you but do you know what we're gonna make it work we're gonna make it work until those hairdressers reopen which is not long now as i keep saying let's keep positive let's keep going the light is at the end of the tunnel all i want my loves i'm being genuinely serious now is a trip to Manchester on the train. That's all I'm asking for, or obviously a trip back down to London where I'm studying at university, although I've been studying at home online for a year now, but we're not going to dwell on that. We're not going to dwell on that. <laughs> I just want to be in a city. Like, I've discovered during this year-long house arrest, obviously for a very good cause, but let's call it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade, as we say. Um, it's house arrest um, with a bit of day release in the summer, but now we're back behind bars. Um, what I've discovered is I love time for myself. Like, I love to be meditating. I love to be reading. I love to just be in my own company and doing my own thing. I do love that. But at the same time, I love to be out and about with people. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to work this out like for, what is it now? I'm trying to think. Since I was in, I think it was year nine slash year 10. So a very long time ago. <laughs> Let's have it right. A very long time ago, I have worked every single week of my life. Like I started off volunteering in the local hospital shop. Um... As I say, I think it was year nine, year 10 on a Sunday morning every week. So since then, I have worked every single week of my life. Like I started with the volunteering in the shop. Then I worked at a 
amazing four-star hotel doing meet and greet on the door. Then obviously in London, I worked in the iconic nightclub, which is my one of my favourite things I've ever done. You know, I always say that to people. You learn so much more from doing a job than anything else in life. Like get out there, earn some money and make some memories. That's how I see it. You know, that is my top tip for you. Get out there and do a job working with the public. It will work wonders for your social skills and your self-confidence, I promise you. So that's basically the point I'm making is I have always been working, not like full-time, obviously, alongside education, but I've always had, at some point in the week, a, you know, a prolonged period of social interaction so after a year of my only social interaction being five seconds in Tesco going, morning, while I get the newspapers, or speaking on a Zoom call, you know, I'm starting to feel the effects. I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you about that because I think after 12 months of this, if you're not finding that hard or difficult, I actually think that's more of a concern you know, that concerns me that you would find this okay and normal. And obviously it's not okay and normal and it's for, you know, a very good reason, a public health emergency. However, I do think we need to talk about the, the mental health effects of this whole lockdown concept. And I think a year ago today, that word lockdown was not in our vocabulary at all you know, and suddenly it became a thing and it became the thing that every single person in the country is doing. Now, I would love to know what sort of the mental health, psychology, um, social skills impact of this is. You know, what do those mental health experts think about what we've all been through for the past year? You know, obviously, as I say, a physical health emergency, um, and it had to be done. I'm not questioning that at all in terms of protecting the NHS. Um, but, and this is not me being controversial, but obviously statistics tell us the coronavirus has a mortality rate, so a death rate of less than 1% of people who get it, which is obviously still shocking. The sheer numbers are awful. But I would be really interested to know the statistics on people's mental health Um in this time. You know, I would be really interested to know what percent of the population has really struggled with the past year. Um, for me, for example, I feel like 2020, up until the summer and the summer, there was an element of novelty to it all. Like it, it was all brand new. Um, and obviously everybody was very scared of the coronavirus, you know, and it was, as I say, a lot of novelty. We'd never had this idea of a lockdown before. And so... I was very lucky as well to be back home with my family, you know, who I adore and we actually do get on well when I'm not causing a scene over <laughs> over anything and everything. Let's be real. You know what I'm like. Um, but now when we are in, as I record this, the middle of March and we are still in lockdown, as in lockdown, as in you can't even go to Primark, <laughs> you know, or you can't even have a friend over for a cup of tea. I am very, very interested what the mental health impact of this is. And I'm very interested. And if you're watching this in like 2025, you might be able to comment and tell me. This is the joy of social media, isn't it? We've got that time travel going on. You could be watching this 10 years after I recorded it. I feel like we're making history right now. Um, what was the point I was making? Oh, yes, it was that. Um in June, July, when things do go back to normal or 
we've been promised this could age well, couldn't it? That comment could really age well on my part if we're back in lockdown 50. Um, but what will people be like? Will people just snap back into their normal lives and their normal routines? Will they just, you know, readjust? Will people go crazy because they've not been able to socialise? And so they will go mad for the opportunity to be in a pub, in a club, um, and just be out and about socialising. I'm really interested to see how people will adjust, whether people will become very health vigilant. Will we see, for example, rush hour on the tube in the future? Because people will be very risk aware in terms of their close proximity to strangers. After a year of being told, if you go within two metres of a stranger, you could contract an illness which could kill you. And obviously that messaging was very important to persuade an entire population of what is a very liberal country to stay at home and not go out and socialise. And that messaging was very important, but I wonder what the longer term impacts of that messaging will be. But that's just my philosophical thoughts. Um, and that was what I was thinking that led me to today's podcast topic, which is this idea that life is a gift. Now, I came to this sort of mantra, if you like, let's call it a mantra, because I've got a book called 101 Mantras for Life. <laughs> let's get a promo opportunity in there, my loves. Do you know what I mean? Get your signed copy now at benwardle.org slash shop, 499 plus PMP. Go on, my loves, get your copy. Um, oh, it's shameless, isn't it? I feel like Gemma Collins promoting the latest. What is she promoting these days? like tanning gummies, tanning sweets. Anyway, we digress. Um, life is a gift. This mantra I came across because, I'll be very honest with you, you know, last week I was having one of those days and you know what, we all have one of those days when I was just a little bit annoyed. I was a little bit annoyed. I was like, I should be living my best life writing my dissertation. Well, I'm still writing the dissertation, but I thought I would be writing it in a coffee shop in London. Do you know what I mean? I thought I'd be living my best life, enjoying my third year at uni in London. You know, I'd be working, I'd be going out, I'd be socialising, I'd be dating. Oh yes, my loves. And yes, I'd be going into uni to, you know, study lectures, all of that. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes my love um and doing the dissertation as I say in London obviously that's not the case I've now spent a year back home so I've only had and I'm not saying this because I feel sorry for myself but I did when I was thinking this last week I've only had a year and a half of the degree um actually doing what I expected in person in London um and I was feeling sorry about that and then there was a like a massive opportunity which gave me a chance or would have given me a chance to be on national television um and I'd been sort of involved with that for many months I think it was six months um and then it all fell through not anybody's fault it just did not work out um and so I felt really sorry about that. <laughs> I was really annoyed, you know, thinking, oh, what if? You know, I was really, really annoyed about that because I thought this could have been, oh, this sounds so awful. This sounds so narcissistic, but I felt like this could be the making of me. Do you know what I mean? That could have been my opportunity to get out there and open doors and showcase my books, <laughs> get a few sales, that kind of thing. So I was really annoyed about that because that had all out of my hands, not worked out. So I was frustrated about that as well. And then what else was I frustrated about? There was something else. Oh yeah, TikTok, you know, 
I was then like, oh, I've had my moment on TikTok, you know, because I remember when I'd first started it and every day I'd be gaining all these new followers. I'd be getting so over-invested in it, my loves. It's not even true, you know. Well, it is true, but do you know what I mean? And I was getting so obsessed with it, you know, and I was gaining hundreds of thousands of followers and all of these likes and all of these comments. And now for the past three months, I've been losing followers and, you know, basically it's crashed and burned. <laughs> but do you know what? So I was getting annoyed about that because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fickle, isn't it, social media? You have your, as they say, five seconds and then newer, um, more, what can we call it? Like newer, fresher faces, I should say, come along and replace you and then they have their five seconds and you're like, oh, not that you're jealous or envious, <laughs> cough, cough, <laughs> but you just feel a bit, I don't know, let down not let down, no, that is the wrong word, you just feel a bit sad, I think, because you're like, oh, I thought this was something that I could really make a success of, and then you sort of have to come to terms with the fact that you've had your moment, you've you've enjoyed it, you know, I don't regret doing it, but you just have to make peace with the fact it, it comes to a natural end, and then you have to move on to the next thing, you have to enjoy the experience, learn the lessons, you know, appreciate that moment, and then move forwards, but when I was just sat there thinking of all these things, I wasn't feeling that. However, there is a positive note to all of this. Can I just say, by the way, my loves? <laughs> Hang on, it's coming. Don't worry, I've not gone off the rails. We're not being very sombre and down. I then had a moment when I went, Ben, no, let's stop this. Because, and those words came to mind, life is a gift. And, you know, some people may say, oh, it's such a cliche. Oh, my gosh, it's so cringy. But I believe it with my whole heart. Life is a gift. So I was thinking this last week and it really reminded me of how I felt many years ago after I'd come out of hospital with anorexia. So I'd been hospitalised with anorexia, the eating disorder, um, in year eight. And I'd been in complete denial about it, you know, for months. I'd been, I know now, starving myself to death. I'd been completely taken over by this paralysing eating disorder, which had totally hijacked my thoughts and totally taken over my life. Um, and, you know, it was only because the school nurse, the uh, teachers, the psychotherapists, the... Um, children and adolescents' mental health service cams, the doctors intervened. If they hadn't intervened, I would be dead. I would not be alive today. And I know that now, you know. So I was hospitalised against my will. I was literally dragged, kicking and screaming in total denial. I was hospitalised, you know. I was told, you are going to die. Do you want to die? And I was sat there staring at this consultant telling me this, like, what? you know, no, I don't believe it, you're making it up, my mum's being paranoid, um, because she's the one that kept taking me back to the GP, and every time she took me, I'd be like, no, you're lying, so I was, you know, so overwhelmed by this self-hatred, and so consumed by these anorexic thoughts, that I was literally starving myself to death, you know, I think I was 12, 13, and I weighed the same, they would tell me, you know, as like a seven- year old, I think, like it was shocking how low my BMI was and I was hospitalised and I was, you know, under 24 hour observation, I can remember that, I couldn't close the curtains, every few hours a nurse would have to come and take my blood pressure, my heart rate, etc, you know, because they were saying your liver is failing, your heart is failing, you know, you are dying and we have got to save you 
And if they had not done that, I would be dead because I was on what I can only describe as a car crash, really, on this car crash, on this dark descent, fueled by what must have been so much self-hatred to death. And I was literally starving myself to death. It was, looking back, shocking. But at the time, I didn't realise what was going on. You know, I was just so consumed, as I say, by these irrational anorexic thoughts that I was going to starve myself to death and be dead and thank the Lord for, as I say, my, my amazing parents, my mum and dad, my teachers, everybody that saved my life. And I mention this because that feeling I had last week of life is a gift is exactly the same feeling I felt after my hospitalisation. So after I'd restored some strength, you know, on that very strict programme of food um, and rest that I'd been given in hospital, I sort of regained some rational thoughts, you know, and then I spent years in therapy. But I can just remember this feeling, you know, when it finally clicked in my head that food is not the enemy, food is medicine. Like, it was an amazing moment. And I suddenly, in that moment, when I lay there in that hospital bed, watching all these nurses, you know, and doctors and all these amazing people helping people, not because they got anything out of that, but because they just cared and they had this compassion. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, life is such a gift. And, you know, obviously I'm a religious studies student, so I study a lot of like religious experiences. And I'm not saying I had a religious experience, but I feel like it was almost a near-death experience, you know, where you suddenly become aware of how amazing life is, and most importantly, how precious life is, you know, and especially because that near-death experience had been induced by myself, as in I was the one effectively committing suicide by starvation, it was such a wake-up call. It was so incredible how it totally transformed my life. And then for many, many years, you know, as I went through therapy and then into GCSE, sixth form, and then to uni, I kept in mind that philosophy of life is a gift. Um, and I appreciated every day and I appreciated every person. And that really brought me so much happiness and so much success and so much fulfillment in my life and so much confidence as well, you know, in terms of like seeing um, different people in the world who I might have otherwise been intimidated by or scared of. I went into social situations and I spoke to anybody and everybody with total confidence because I had in my mind this belief life is a gift. And I just feel that during the coronavirus pandemic, so over the past year of lockdown, I almost lost sight of that, which is very weird because when the news is giving you death tolls every single day, and when we're talking about death every single day, you'd think maybe people appreciated life more. But I think in my frustration at what I, as I say, call house arrest, I stopped seeing life as a gift because I'd gone from serving 2,000 people a night in London's busiest nightclubs to, you know, and dashing around London, living what I thought was my best life, here, there, everywhere, you know, Trafalgar Square, Covent Garden, Holborn, The Strand, Stratford, 
I was living what I thought was the dream. To go from that to spending a year back at home. As I say, I love being at home, but I thought I'd moved on from that, you know? I thought I'd done that moment and I was now living my best life in London. And I feel like having to come back and live here for a year and not see anybody and not do anything you know, and not socialise, which is where I get a lot of my energy, I realise now, I started to take things for granted. And I was so frustrated and so annoyed. Um, and then obviously so distracted by TikTok, which became a ridiculous, irrational obsession, um, that I lost sight that life is a gift, you know. And when I would listen to myself, I'd be like, Ugh, he's got 700,000 followers and I've only got 580,000. And I then listen to myself and think, but Ben, you're alive. Is that not enough? Like, seriously, how on earth is the number of people following somebody um, on a social media platform something to get upset and annoyed about? Can you not appreciate the fact that you're alive, that you were saved by those doctors from yourself, essentially, and you are alive? You know, and I was like, Ben, why on earth are you getting so upset about how many people liked your post or, you know, comparing how many people liked your post to somebody else you've never even met? Good for them that they've got a million followers. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't take anything away from the gift that is your own life. And so I'm really making an effort today, obviously on the podcast, um, but just going forwards now to get back to my philosophy of the gift of life, that life is a gift. So brace yourselves, my love, because there's going to be a book entitled Life is a Gift <laughs> coming very, very soon. Um, but talking of books, two books I've just, and this just so happened, just been reading, have really reaffirmed this belief. So the first one is Utopia for Realists. I don't know if you've read this. It's by, it says here, The Viral Sensation. I bet you are, my love. Um, Rutger Bregman, um, Utopia for Realists, an amazing book, an amazing book, you know, and it starts by talking about how amazing the world is today, because I think we can all be very pessimistic, can't we, about the problems of social media um, and, you know, all the issues that exist in the world. But the book begins with this, um, that for roughly 99% of the world's history, 99% of humanity was poor, hungry, dirty, afraid, stupid, sick and ugly. Um, and... The book has this amazing statistic on the very first page, which was the moment I knew I was going to love this book. And listen to this, guys. Can you believe this? So, in 1820, 84% of the world's population still lived in extreme poverty. So, that's 1820. Whereas, um, by 1981, that percentage had dropped to 44%. And now, so today it is under 10%. So just listen to that again. In 1820, 84% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. Today, 10%, less than 10%. Like obviously 10% is still a shocking statistic, but look at that progress. Look at that journey our world has been on. We are living in times of amazing opportunity and amazing levels of prosperity. But I think... I don't know what you think, but I feel social media creates this culture where nothing is ever enough because there's always somebody who is apparently happier, wealthier, more successful than us. It's not the case. It's all a con. It's all a marketing con based on appearances. But social media, which we access in our own homes, literally in our bed a lot of the time, 
it, it really, really creates this toxic culture, you know, so I think we really, really need to get serious about gratitude and appreciation and to just stop comparing online and start appreciating what we do have and what we do have access to in the world around us. Because, you know, I think when you start appreciating the very simple things, those little pleasures, those individual people who make our lives so fulfilling and so fabulous, we totally transform our outlook and we totally transform the way we see the world. So that's my thoughts on that. And then the other book that I've read is this amazing book by Robin Sharma, the leader who had no title. Now, Robin Sharma is amazing. I don't know if you've read his book, The 5am Club, which is all about his um, message that if you wake up at 5am every morning, you will transform your life. Now, I've not been able to do 5am, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> a little bit too early for me, half five is my limit, but he's an amazing thinker. He spent time as a monk, um, as a Buddhist monk, and now he's back teaching us all how to find happiness. And the the basic premise of the book, The Leader Who Had No Title, is that every single person in the world has the ability to inspire others and to make a really profound and positive difference in the world. And, um, you know, there's amazing messages like the deeper your relationships, the stronger your leadership. Um, you know, so powerful relationships are key. The larger the dream, the more important the team. All sorts of messages about kindness, about being an inspiration, about knowing what's really important in life, about appreciating life, you know, about mastering amazing skills that you want to then share with the world. There's so much. A great one is the multiplier effect. You know, when you do little intelligent acts each and every day, you know, you contribute to your own success. Small little leadership acts really will compound into breathtaking consequences, writes Robin Sharma. So that is an amazing book as well, that every single one of us is the master of our own destiny. We each have this amazing opportunity, you know, to seize life with both hands and live it to the full. Because at the end of the day, and this is what I've realised, life is far too short to be anything but grateful. You know, life is far too short. There is no guarantee that you will wake up tomorrow morning um, and get to live another day on this planet. So you need to make the most of every opportunity. You need to express gratitude for every single person. And you know, you need to live your life to the full and just seize everything and stop worrying, I think, about the trivial things that actually do not matter. We think they matter in the moment, but in reality, you know, they will be forgotten about within 10 minutes, never mind 10 days. So really focus on the gifts of life and those opportunities we all get to learn from our mistakes or to learn from what doesn't work out and to make a really positive contribution to the common good and the well-being of society. You know, leave a legacy, make your mark and just appreciate every day. And I feel like when you take that glass half full approach, you totally transform your life. You know, when I stopped being like, oh, but this didn't work out. Oh, but this person's got more of this than me. When I stopped that and started focusing on how much I appreciate the fact I'm alive, I feel like an entire weight was lifted off my shoulders and I felt this entire transformation in my whole entire world outlook. So, 
that is the message of today's podcast in a nutshell. You know, appreciate the gift of life. And that doesn't mean nothing in life is difficult. You know, life is not plain sailing. As Buddhism tells us, life is suffering. However, here's the thing, you know, you are alive and that in itself is a gift. And so, you know, let's try and have a little bit more appreciation and a little bit more gratitude for the fact we are alive. And then, you know, with that as our strong foundation, we can work out how to make the most of our lives and how to make the best out of what are often very bad, difficult, challenging situations. So that's my new philosophy which was my philosophy 10 years ago, (laughs) but I lost sight of it. But that's okay because I've now come back to it. So life is a gift is my new mantra. Watch out for the book of that title coming very soon because I can feel I'll be writing it over the summer. Um, And let me know what do you think of today's episode? You know, do you think life is a gift? Um, Has there been a moment when you've realised that? Is there something you do in order to keep appreciating life and to keep expressing gratitude? What are you most grateful for in your life? Um, And yeah, my top tip from today really is that try to have a bit of perspective. Try not to let things like social media get you down. Try to see the bigger picture. You know, try to see things as they really are. Try to call a spade a spade, as I've said about 10 times today. And yeah, try to be kind to yourself because at the end of the day, we don't know how long we will be on this planet. So let's try to fill our days with love and treat ourselves and everybody we meet with love as well. And on that rather philosophical note, that is it from today's episode. Thank you so much for watching. If you've enjoyed today, I say watching, I'm assuming you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, however, thank you very much for listening. It's lovely to to have you with me. Let me know where you're listening and what you're up to at benwardle underscore on all social media. I'll be back next Wednesday as always with another podcast episode. If you've got any questions or comments or feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can drop me an email, contactbenwardle at gmail.com or over, as I say, on Instagram or Twitter, benwardle underscore. Have a great day and I look forward to hearing from you very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.